So Craig and I, uh, as we talked about it, we are, I think we, we are kind of in the same mindset. We are here to facilitate the class, not necessarily be considered the expert teachers on the class, okay? Um, sometimes I think teacher has the connotation of, I am the expert, so I'm gonna tell you what you need to know. And that's not what this class is about. Um, this class is going to be about class discussion and direction and presenting material and presenting God's word so that you, which we all are responsible for, so that you, if you're in a situation that um, is involved with church discipline, so that you will have an understanding the way that you understand God's word and how you need to apply that in your life. Um, obviously, I think there are some things when it comes to church discipline that apply to all of us based on the direction that the elders have um, established for the church as a whole. And that's going to be kind of the focus of this class, church discipline as a whole. But there's a personal, um, there's a personal side to that as well, right? So especially if it's immediate family. How do I, how do I apply church discipline without violating any of God's other directives as a parent-child, um, husband-wife, brother-sister relationship as well, right? And so those are some questions that have been out there for years. Those are questions that people struggle with, and I understand that. I took a look at the, the, the people in this class, and I don't know every situation, but I know there's probably the majority of the people in this class have a either family or friend situation that they are having to deal with, with um, that, that relates to church discipline. And so it makes it very personal and it makes it difficult. So keep in mind that our focus is mainly going to be on church discipline as a whole, but we will discuss the individual responsibility outside and apart from that uh, from time to time. And hopefully the focus will be Here's what God's word says, and you will work that out based on how you understand God's word in your relationship with whoever is being disciplined and your relationship with, uh, with God. I'll tell you right now, Craig and, and I, uh, I've been in his classes. I think he's probably been in my classes. Our teaching styles are different, right? Which is fine. I think that's actually good because it breaks up the monotony a little bit. Um, I am very much a ask a question and get answers. Communicate. I want communication back from the class. Um, I'm not exactly sure how Craig will do it. He may do that. He may be a little more lecture. I don't know. But keep in mind that our styles are different. But I, but I do think that that is, that is really good because, um, like I said, it breaks up the monotony and it allows you to see two different sides sometimes of a subject or of a way a subject can be presented and, and delivered. So um, even though we got together and, and discussed it, we didn't say, this is how we're going to teach the class. Uh, we're going to teach it with our own personalities, which I think is, which I think is good. I'm going to say this is a very sensitive topic and it's a topic that evokes a lot of emotion and that's fine that's okay emotion is good God gave us emotions and there's nothing wrong with having emotions involved but because it is sensitive and because it is 
emotional, there might be some differences in some situational conclusions that we discuss. Okay? So, a specific situation that you're thinking about, maybe the majority of the class thinks one way and you think another. And emotions can be involved in that. And I think we have to step back and we have to decide, number one, am I making or am I coming to a conclusion based on an emotion and a relationship that I want or am I coming to a conclusion and basing my, my um, understanding of God's word on what he wants me to do for the betterment of my soul and the other person's soul. Sometimes they're in line. Sometimes they're, 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 they're exactly the same. Sometimes they may appear to be a little different. Sometimes there might be a difference of opinion on, if I'm looking at a particular scripture, and I know there's a couple scriptures in here, if I'm looking at a particular scripture, you may say, no, this applies to church discipline. And I may say, I see this as strictly a one-on-one. -on -one. This isn't a church discipline issue. That's okay. We can, we can discuss that. And we may not come to the exact same conclusion, but I really believe that in the end, ultimately, our understanding of God's requirement for discipline in the church is based on, or, or is basically the, uh, the title of this book. And that is, church discipline is actually God's gift for a healthier, holier church. And that's what it's about. That's what it's about. I also think it's important to say, because this can be emotional, and because we may want to bring up personal things, that's fine. Maybe there's some personal examples and applications that make sense, but I want us to be careful. Okay? I want us to be careful that maybe sometimes we don't always need to indicate names or places, right? So if we've been at another congregation and we don't think that they did something properly and, and we say, when I was here and we named the name and the elders named the elders' names and they did this, I'm not sure that's beneficial, really. Um, what is done in the past is in the past. Now, if you can keep the, the, the example a little more generic, maybe. Maybe there's application for that and I don't have a problem with that. But I don't want us to get into a potential he said, she said situation, right? Or a... Um, or some of the other things that I wrote down, um, a gossip, you know, where somebody could say that, that, that the class or people are gossiping, or it gets into denigrating someone because they didn't do something the way we think it should have been done. Let's, let's try to keep, and, and I really don't think it, will, it, it would ever go to that point, but I just want to bring that up because I want to try to keep it very constructive, very positive as much as we can. Um, like I said, it's a very, very... Um, sensitive and emotional subject and it might be easy to to fall in into that situation I think and I've already mentioned this but um, as facilitators of the class it's not Craig and my responsibility to tell you what you are to believe that as an individual Christian that's each of our own responsibility right we're here to help facilitate and, and have discussions so that we can try to understand what God is telling us. And then based on that, it's our responsibility um, to, believe, to believe that. 
Craig and I may even disagree on a point or two as we go through. I don't know. We haven't discussed every single you know, every single point. We may disagree on something, but that's okay too, because um, I think ultimately the end conclusion is healthier, holier church, and that's what we're we're definitely wanting to do. And the last point of introduction, that is ultimately we want God glorified in this study, right? That's the ultimate thing. We want God glorified. And I think Craig and I would both ask that in your daily prayers, just mention this class. Mention this class. Pray that our hearts and our minds would be open to God's will in all things that we discuss and all conclusions that we, that we draw and, and come to. I think if, if, if that is ultimately, if that's the end result of this class, that we all have come to the conclusion that I'm going to focus on God's will um, and glorify Him in all acts of discipline, then I think that we've probably, we've probably met our, our goal. So. Any questions or thoughts or comments? This is probably going to be the longest I'm going to ramble in any one class, okay? So, anybody? Any, I know, very interesting. Yeah, go ahead, Gary. I like to think in, in all ways when we do things God's way, it works. God's way works. That's, that's the absolutely, point. absolutely. It's yeah, not, it's not always easy to do, but right for all parties involved, God's way works. God's way works. That's right. And you know, people may argue and say, "Well, well." Number one, I would say, did we do it God's way, right to begin with? And number two, are you looking at how it's working to keep His church healthy and holy? Right? There's always a couple end results we would like. Any form of discipline, as far as corrective discipline, we would like to bring a person back and we want to make sure that God's church maintains the holiness that he, he demands. And so, one, we can control, if we do God's will to maintain the holiness of his church, the other we can't control because we can't control the heart of someone else. And I think we have to, we have to realize that. And we'll have, we'll have individual or we'll have um, deeper discussions about those things. Yeah, so not having like a syllabus to know exactly what all we're going to be dealing with here in this class, you know, I was kind of hesitant about it just because church discipline, oh yeah, that sounds like, you know, that's kind of a good old Sounds like fun! Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't know if we could talk about a little bit about what kind of things we'll be discussing in this class. One of the things I was reading up on in his first book that we may share his holiness is he talks about church discipline without also first establishing relationships and fellowship with these oh, yeah. people mm -hmm. is abuse. Um, you know, that I don't even know you and now I'm going to somehow have right. some, some, some authority with you over, over some issue. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if we'll talk about that, any of that at all, but um, yeah, that developing of a relationship, but really just kind of wanting to know where this kind of goes is adjust with those people or the someone else other than even myself because even like self-discipline and some things too that helps I feel like that is a contributor right. to a, a healthier church also absolutely absolutely yeah I thought he mentioned that in his book but I, yeah. I didn't know if it's really yeah yeah let me let me more. just go through and just um, like I said the main focus is going to be on church discipline as a whole, as the church. But we will talk about individual responsibility. We will talk about discipline our, ourselves a bit. Um, and we'll talk about the different types of discipline as far as, there are basically two types of discipline, right? There's 
um, instructive discipline and there's corrective discipline. And so we will be talking about those. And I think that there's a huge difference. Um, the vast majority of the discipline mentioned in the Bible is instructive discipline. So just when we say church discipline doesn't mean it's always going to be corrective. It's always going to be um, uh, taking actions against a person. Kind right? of like Paul telling Timothy, reprove, rebuke. And so exactly. That's so. exactly right. Exactly right. So let me just go through the, the titles of the chapters in this book, um, just so that you can kind of get an idea of, of where the author goes. Keep in mind, this book is a study guide. I want to force that. I, want, I really want to enforce that. This is a study guide. This book was written by Tommy South. This book is written by a man. Number one, you may not agree with everything written in this book, and that's fine. Because I'll tell you, there's a couple things in here that I don't necessarily agree with his conclusion on, and that's fine. But it is a study guide. Our ultimate um, text will be the Bible. But Tommy does a phenomenal job, I think, in number one, putting organization to the subject, and number two, discussing or bringing up questions or thoughts for discussion about scriptures and about how we have traditionally looked at them. Is that right? Do we, should we look at them in another way? And what is the meaning in the general context of the scripture instead of just pulling out a scripture and proof texting with that scripture? Okay? He does a really good job of doing that. So, even though I say we're going to use this as our, you know, in the class, it is a study guide to lead us as we continue to study through God's Word. So here's some, some subjects, or some uh, of the um, chapters. Why all the neglect? So the idea of why have churches for years neglected discipline? Number, chapter 2, discipline as the pursuit of holiness. I think here's a key right there. He gets to this right away, discipline as the, as the pursuit of holiness. Number three, no discipline, no church. Four, the ultimate expression of fellowship. Five, speaking the truth in love. So if any of you have been in the peacekeepers class, or peacemakers, peacemakers class, yeah, peacemakers class, I'll get it out here in a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you've been in one of those classes, um, the idea of speaking the truth in love is really big. Right? It's really big. There's a lot of overlap between these, those two. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. This class and, and uh, Peacemakers. A lot of overlap. Chapter 6. Notice this is a statement, not a question. I am my brother's keeper. Not am I, right? I am my brother's keeper. Chapter 7. What to do when your brother sins. Chapter 8. The fine art of gentle restoration. Chapter 9, Disciplining the Disorderly. Chapter 10, Extreme Discipline, Incest at Corinth. So obviously 1 Corinthians chapter 5. An extreme example of what needed to take place and why. Chapter 11, When a Brother Needs Forgiveness. Isn't that interesting? We were talking about discipline, but now we're talking about when a brother needs forgiveness. So there's two sides. Chapter 12, Discipline. Disciplining the domineering. Chapter 13, watching out for false teachers. Chapter 14, rebranding the role of elders, which is interesting. Chapter 15, the shepherd and the wolf. And then 16 and 17, some questions and answers on church discipline. And then what now? Where do we go from here at the end of the class? So anyway, kind of gives you an idea of the direction that, that, uh, that we're going to go and um, I, I really think you'll enjoy what he says in this book. I think you'll appreciate the way he lays it out and what he brings up. But there again, my 
the, the way that basically I'm going to do this, we will be talking about a chapter in the book, in the class, and one of the things that I want you to bring to the class is your aha moments from that chapter, or a something in the book that is like, you know what, I really want to discuss this, either because you don't agree with it, or because you think it's a great point, and you really think it's important that we discuss it. So as we go through the book, you know, you look at, you look at my old book, and I've got, well, it's hard to see, but I've got red ink, I've got highlights, I've got notes. Um, I think I've got that in this book as well. Yeah, um, highlighted sections that I think are just really important for us to for us to discuss and talk about. And that's that's what I want um, to do when I'm teaching the class for you to bring that to us so that we can have a good discussion. Craig. And um, when I got the book and started reading through it, there was a temptation to go straight to chapter 16, which is the questions questions about church discipline. Yeah. You know, well, what about this? What about this? Right. And and I started to do that after only reading four or five chapters and realized I, I'm doing this author a great disservice. Right. Because he needs to lay some groundwork for stuff. Right. That just this quick Q and A at the back is is not particularly helpful unless you've kind of followed him through it. That's right. So don't cheat. Don't. don't <laughs> no. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you want to read the whole book in one setting to get to it, that's fine. But yeah. in one sitting, but go through it chapter by chapter. Yeah, I think that's a great point. That is a great point. Because we, if if those of us that have situations in our families, right, the first thing we want to do is here's my situation. I'm going to go back to see what he says about my situation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a temptation. Um. And I think you're right. I think that's a disservice because what he says about it without the, the foundation that he helps us to lay through God's word really sometimes may cause more questions than, than give us answers. And even. the definition of terms. Right. You know, because discipline is almost a bad word in our culture. Now. Right. Like, oh, no, we don't want to do that to our children. We don't want to, you know, the idea of, of adults disciplining other adults is, you know, what does he mean? What does the Bible mean about that word? What does love mean? What does holiness mean? He he does all of that in the first few chapters. Right. That it doesn't it doesn't mean anything if you skip all the way to the end. Exactly. Good point. It's a good point. The last time I taught this, I taught it with Boyd, um, and so it was I think. Oof. Seven years ago, I think, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere around there. Um, and it was interesting because I taught as just a member, and Boyd taught as being an elder. So that was an interesting combination. Um, so, Craig, do you want to be an elder? <laughs> now, I mean. <laughs> uh, but one of the things that Boyd brought up when he did the introduction, which I thought was good, um, was that. This subject uh, should be heavy on all of our shoulders because it's not a subject, when we're talking about church discipline, it's not a subject that we should desire to dwell on, right? Because in a perfect world, there would be no need for church discipline in a perfect world. But the problem is, this is not a perfect world, is it? It's a broken world. Satan has his grips on almost everything. And if we let our guard down, we also could be caught in the snatches of Satan. So, it's a, it's a heavy subject, and it's one that, uh, that should be concerning. And I think also, church discipline 
causes us to reflect on our own relationship with God and our relationship in and with the church. It should cause us to think about that anyway. Our own relationship with God and with the church. Like Tony said, are there things in my life where I could benefit from a little discipline? I'm going to tell you, absolutely. I think we could probably, if we're probably honest with ourselves, every one of us could probably say, you know, a little discipline from a correctional standpoint or from an, a, an encouragement standpoint point would probably benefit all of us. How is my relationship with God and with the church? And I also think, too, that we have to be careful that in the event that someone is going through the ultimate church discipline, that we don't think at that point, well, they're written off. Right? We've done our part, and now it's up to them to change their heart and come back to us. Well, number one, they should never come back to us. They should be coming back to God. And number two, I think at that point, that's probably when we need to be the most diligent um, in doing what we can to help restore someone. And I know that we could probably all say that we've been disappointed with some of the results that we've seen with church discipline in the past. Whether here at Avon or uh, maybe another congregation, we're going to talk about that that here in in just a minute. Um, But just because we we may be disappointed in a result does not mean that it's not what God wants and does not mean that we are to um, decide, well, it doesn't work anymore, so I'm not going to do it, or we're not going to do it. That's not our choice. That's not our choice. And just because we say it doesn't work doesn't mean it's not working. Doesn't mean it's not working. There have been many cases where a church has disciplined a person. They've left for years like 30 years, and then have come back. Maybe not to that exact same congregation, but have made it right and gone to another congregation and have become active again in God's service. So just because somebody doesn't turn their life around in the matter of a week or two or a month or a year doesn't mean that discipline is not working. So let's, let's talk about the survey questions that I, I uh, sent out. I would actually like to go over those and have a little bit of discussion here for the next 20 minutes on those if we could. They were pretty simple, hopefully. I just wanted to get your thoughts. So, in a few words, give your opinion, good or bad, about church discipline. Whether it's based on your experience, whether it's based on your knowledge or your lack of knowledge, what do you, what's good or bad do you think about church discipline? Remember, this is your opinion, right? Tony? Um, that the, the ideal seems very beneficial to everyone, like like with First Corinthians five, yeah. And if that was enacted that way, or uh, that you had that perfect response, but even without that perfect response from that person of wanting to come back to the Lord, doing it God's way seems like a very good thing. Okay. But for the most part, I've not seen that, and I've seen the exact opposite, and all the things lacking, and it's just a mess, and it's made things worse. Right. Not just that this person ever will come back, but because of the people enacting the discipline and their attitude about it, myself involved in that kind of thing, that um, it was to our detriment because of not mishandling it. Okay. Okay. All right. Gary? 
like I said, on the on the good when it's done God's way, it, it's right and it's it's effective. But like Craig said, with discipline, it's a it's a dirty word these days. A lot of people don't even want to open that door. There's a lot of negative connotation. There's a lot of hard hard things, you know, dealing with <coughs> discipline. But a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And if you don't take care of a little problem when it's a little problem, they always, always go to be a bigger problem, and, and then you're going to have to deal with it one way or another. So it's it's necessary, but it's not because of all those things. People men have a tendency to shy away from it, and it's not done. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think a lot of times, um, you know, because people have a tendency to shy away from it, it ends up being a last resort, and it loses its effectiveness because it's done after the person has already themselves separated completely from everyone. So then it feels more like excommunication, right. like Catholic Church, than it does yeah. actual discipline. No, I think that's a really good point, and I think that's one of those things that we'll probably end up talking about is, Yeah, in, in my opinion, I think in the past, church discipline has always been done way too late. Discipline has been acted way too late. Because of that very thing, where ultimately the person has already withdrawn themselves from the congregation or from the church, then what benefit is there? It's more of a formality. It's a formality, right, right. And if we look at what God's Word says about the purpose of this withdrawal of fellowship... There has to be fellowship being involved for it to be effective, right? Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't mean that there's still not some action that needs to be taken or an understanding of the, the situation the person's in and the role of the congregation to try to bring them back as well. Yeah, we'll talk about that. I think that's a good point. What else? What other opinions, good or bad, about church discipline? Gary? Again, on the negative sides, it's, it's not dealt with equally across the board. Sometimes some people are picked out, we're going to discipline these guys to the nth degree, and other ones, because you like them or whatever, we're going to let that slide. Right. And that's not good. Okay. Could Frog. be done in love, too. Yeah, it's got to be done in love. That's right. If it's not done in love, it's a problem. Isn't it? Problem. I think it's a... Um, there's not a formula for every situation, every every person or situation that comes up can't be dealt with the same way, that it has to be dealt with in the best way for that situation. So to sort of have a set of steps or rules right. um, <clears throat> is where we get into trouble, I think, sometimes. That checklist mentality, right? I know when we talk about Galatians, we talked about too, even with the law, even with the, the new law and that checklist mentality. It's so hard to get out of our mind because it's so easy. It makes it easy if there's a checklist. If there's a checklist and I can go through and check them off, I've done it right. It's not my responsibility what the result is. But no, I think, I think you're exactly right that every situation has variables and it's different. And... Um, Learning to navigate those. Yeah. That's, that's where wisdom comes in. Yeah. That's right. not easily acquired. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I think in a lot of congregations I've been in, there's been this sense that it's the responsibility of the elders almost entirely. They're the ones who usually call the person up, and so when they go forth and they read the letter to the congregation, they say, you know, we contacted them at this time or that time. 
and um, understanding that as it's church discipline, it's something where we should all be looking around us and saying who who is not participating, who is struggling right now, and what can I do to help them way, way before it even gets to the point of needing to take some of these further steps. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, I've even been, or heard situations where people have said, wow, I didn't even know they were having trouble, or I didn't even know there was an issue. And, this, and the elders are up there saying, we need to withdraw from this person. Like, what? Yeah. I will say one thing that Avon has done in the past, which, and they're going to bring up a name, but it's our name, so it's okay, right? <laughs> but Avon, I, I think the elders have done a very good job of in the past, and, and that is when a person is struggling, they have reached out to the congregation and said, We've got an issue with this brother or sister. We need everyone to put forth a concerted effort to reach out to them and try to help bring them, bring them back around, right? Before any major action is taken. Um, so I have really appreciated that uh, that's that format that the elders have taken. Um, but no, I I totally agree with with you in, in that that's an issue. Any other? It may revolve into the, your next question, though, but of <clears throat> being a little bit more dispassionate, a little bit more uh, callous, I guess, can be easy on one side, or having more of a disciplinarian type of attitude uh, may revel in the, the, the chance, finally, to, to discipline, but then also, how do you balance, how do you balance, you know, needing strict discipline, but then also compassion and mercy and patience? Because I think that's where a lot of the difficulty of knowing how to navigate that is, how long are you patient with someone? Well, with one child, it's not. There's right. no patience. It's, you have to do this now. And then there's other, at times it's like, giving them a moment, allow them some time. You know, just all of those variables that come into that, and I feel like that's one that's right. really tough to deal with because where you may be with no, it needs to be now. I may be. Let's give. Let's give it a moment. Right, right. And then it feels like it's different. Then it feels well because it is different. It is. Oh, well, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Right, right. It could be a bad thing right. because you know I may be taking way longer than it should be. But how do you balance that? And but how do you still show love in all of those? That's yeah. That even that's with, question two, right? Yeah, exactly. Cut, cut ties, things like that. But how do you still do that in a loving way and still be compassionate and merciful? Yeah, yeah. So that question too, why do you think some people view church discipline as unloving? I think it comes back to not having a relationship with the person to begin with. I think okay. a lot of it is there. That who are you? You don't even know me. And now you're going to tell me that that I don't have a relationship with the church. Well, I mean like... right. Yeah, and I think this question could actually talk about two different people. It could talk about the person for whom discipline needs to be instituted, and it could be talking about other people in the congregation that are looking and, and saying, why would we do that to someone? That's unloving. Or people outside of the church saying, why would you ever do that? That's unloving. Right? Well, God is a jealous God. I mean, the scriptures, you look at what, what the scripture says. And God wants us to be holy, for he is holy. And how can we individually, and how can we as a church be holy if, there, if we are allowing sin to dwell among us without addressing it? And I think that's one of the keys right there. Ian? 
Well, uh, our culture is increasingly just, you know, bought. Uh, yeah. Um, there's, it's not okay to make any judgments about anybody else's behavior about anything, and that seeps into uh, that. You know, that's has seeped into the church too. So we just, like you were saying earlier, there's a, a mindset that even Christians carry with them that no adults have any right to make any express even any opinions about any other adults opinions or behaviors or whatever even though that goes on all the time on social media it's kind of ironic even though right. it's happening constantly yeah. people would all say they profess that you can't you've got no business to be in my business whatsoever and right. um, but it's okay if I'm in yours yeah yeah right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that's it's yeah. yeah it's a very you know yeah ironic um, attitude but it's very prevalent in the culture and so that is prevalent with you know among us also we get that way that you you know don't have any right to weigh in on anything I'm thinking or doing in my life um, that's just you know it's not your business right but when I get on Twitter you know I can <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that's okay I'm on about your life right. and your thoughts but right yeah yeah that's true so that you know that that's why it's perceived as unloving because any opinion yeah any judgments right are unloving yeah Okay, good. And that's, I think that even goes to the definition of judgment, right? Do people really understand what judging really means? I mean, God has already judged the actions as laid out in the Bible, and if we're pointing that out, yeah, there's a whole discussion about that for sure. Robin? Um, so hopefully, eventually in the study, we, we can get to the point where we can talk about like practical, real life mm -hmm situations that you encounter when someone has been disciplined by the church and um, you're that person's family member and maybe you're just a, another church member but you see them out in public do you turn around and walk the other way do you um, when does the fruit of the spirit come in all those really practical things because I in my experience um, the fear of handling those situations wrong has caused people to handle them wrong. Absolutely. You're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, and yes, we will get to those. I will tell you, it's like Craig mentioned, bear with the class because that is toward the end of the class. So we're trying to lay the foundation and understand exactly what God talks about and how he addresses it and trying to differentiate between is this a personal thing that I have to work out with the person, or is this a congregational church thing that has to be done, right? So, and because there's some differences there. There's some differences there. And then we'll get into some of those little more specific situations. Am I going to be able to say you're going to get a definitive answer? There's probably going to be some differences of opinion, which is fine. But at least, based on the information we go through in the class, maybe it will give you a little more clarity or comfort saying, you know what? Based on the way that I understand it, this is the way I'm going to, to act. And if I'm wrong, I have to rely on the grace of God and his mercy to help point that out to me in time. If I'm right, then this is, yeah. yeah. That's the way we have to do with any basically any anything in the Bible, right? Yeah. Come to our own conclusions and trust that God's mercy and grace will either accept that or help reveal to me ultimately that I need to make some changes as well. John. 
you know, the, the Hebrew writer says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. And I think that's one of the reasons why people view uh, discipline as unloving, because there is, there is an element of it that is painful. Um, and there's been a reference already to, to, to children and parenting, right? And, uh, you know, as, as parents, or you've seen those who, who say when exercising discipline, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. And I'm sure the child, you know, has right. no connection to that. And those can be words or those can be real. And uh, so I think, I, I think one, there's, there's a view that anything painful is negative. It's not good. Yeah. I think Anne alluded to that in yeah. her comments as well. Yeah. But then I think, too, it is wholly possible, and it has been done. Discipline has been executed in an unloving way. Absolutely. And so then it's viewed as unloving, right. and correctly so sometimes. Mm -hmm. Very good. Very good. Can I throw some up real quick? Yeah. Um, I, I didn't know which, which question this, this could be put in, but I, I think it's, it's also a mistake when we try to, um, when we try to illustrate what the church is in human terms. Um, you know, the church is a family, and that's true. The church is a, it's a husband-wife relationship, and that's true. Um, but sometimes I think the world looks at us and they say, well, the church is like a club. And you're, you're rejecting somebody's membership of the club. And that just seems that. Or the church is a family, and who would ever kick out a member of their family? Right. And we just need to be careful. And, and that's something I've really appreciated about this book, is the church is a family, and that's true. Um, but God, God also views it more often than not as a flock. Of sheep. And there are threats to the sheep, sometimes within and without. And uh, he's the shepherd who, who goes and tries to find the lost one, and he's the one who protects if wolves have snuck in among. Um, so just try to be careful not to, again, define or categorize things the way that the world would say it, or treat it like a business. I guess that's another one. Is it's a business, and so now I'm firing you because you haven't right. been, you know, here's your pink slip. You haven't been, um, and treating it as some kind of cold, calloused thing. Yeah. Uh, was never gotten yeah. to. And that's why I think, it goes back to what Tony talked about at the very beginning as well, is that one of the key things is our relationship that we have with each other, right? Our relationship with each other. Do we have one? How strong is it? How sincere is it? And how far will I go to try to restore someone who is pulling themselves away from that relationship? Will it always be successful? Absolutely not. But The way that God lays things out and the direction and the love that he talks about and um, the fellowship that we should have with each other and the way that we should know each other, if that doesn't do it, 
immediately, I have to believe that it has still pricked their heart, and I have, I, I have hope that ultimately something good will come out of it. David? If we practice discipline in the way the scriptures say, it'll be successful, but it might not be the definition of success that I might personally have. But it will fit God's definition of success. That's right. That's right. Which I think goes back to it will help to keep his church holy. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Micah? That was mine. Okay. Okay. John? Mine too. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. All right. Um, Hopefully you um, listed or or at least looked at several Bible passages that... um, Talk about church discipline. We'll, obviously, we're going to get into pretty much all of those this quarter, okay? So we won't go through those. But um, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot of Bible passages. Um, even in the Old Testament. Now, I think that uh, I mentioned New Testament here, but even in the Old Testament, you know, think about this one from Isaiah, real quick. I don't want to leave the class without reading the scripture, okay? <laughs> Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 11. God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways, or your ways, my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth, and making it barren sprout, and furnishing seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so my word... So will my word be, which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. So even though it doesn't direct discipline specifically, these are some scriptures that should help guide our thoughts on this subject. We may not understand exactly the end result that God is trying to achieve based on what he's asking us to do. But his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not necessarily our ways. Because as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are God's ways higher than our ways and his thoughts than our thoughts. And so I think that's something that we have to keep in mind as we go through um, and consider discipline and what it means. So last two minutes. Just, I would just like to get some thoughts here. What would you like to gain from this class? I know, Robin, you said you'd like some real world, maybe. some. That was one of the things you'd like to gain from this class, which I think we'll get to, for sure. What would you like to gain from this class? It was mentioned we are individuals, but as a church, we are a collective. So I'd like for us to be able to have a, a common mind about this topic so that we can together... Uh, based on what God has said, honor honor Him as we work in this realm. Okay. Touche. All right. Very good. Yeah, Tony. Uh, last I comment. I'm pretty hesitant about the class, just with the entire subject and all that. No, like, not that it, not that there can't be good things, but it's just like the entire subject, how we go about this. Like, I don't know. Just, I may just have to just read read the books myself a little bit. Yeah, don't bail. I think that uh, I think you're gonna find. <laughs> I think you're gonna find it's a it's a, a profitable and a good class, and um, I think we'll discuss. You know, we'll probably discuss some things that 
um, maybe a little controversial or maybe oh, tough. I'm definitely to, okay with controversy and difficult. Maybe tough, right? Yeah. yeah but like being clear maybe on our, our purpose and what we're, what we're really yeah. looking to do here. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, this book really does. He really lays it out. The purpose is to be holy as God is holy. That's the ultimate purpose. So. All right. If we don't have these books, I'll talk to Phil. If they're not here today, then I will copy the preface and probably chapter one and uh, PDF that and email it out to have Chris email it out to everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Mike.